Chicago. What do you say? Cubs gonna win today. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pundits Exercise Podcast. We're going to talk baseball with uh, national baseball expert, uh, David Brown. David, how are you? Hi, Andy. I'm good. Just uh, getting through the the, uh, the Chiefs parade in Kansas City, so yeah. I'm ducking for cover. And before we record, we, we talked that you were there. I was there. I wasn't, I'm not a suspect, but I was, uh, me and my kids. Not quite. What's that? Are you a person of interest? You haven't (laughs) made it up to suspect? Hardly at all in in life and not in the investigation. Okay. Uh, yeah, my kids and I were there. Uh, the shooting happened and I was going to call it shenanigans, but that's not, uh, no. We weren't anywhere near when or where it happened. So, okay. yes. Yeah. It, uh, the sad reality of, I'll admit, every time I see a, a big gathering like that, I it's always in the back of your mind that it could happen. Uh, it, the, the thought occurred to me once during the parade that, yeah. hey, this would be a good opportunity for some terrorism. Really. As I told you before we started, I applaud uh, Jed Hoyer's attempts to keep Cub fans safe. No threat of a parade. You can't get hurt if you don't play. Thank you. Thank you, Jed. Uh, So I guess that brings us to our first topic, which is there are some fans, not just Cub fans. I'm sure any any fan of a team who has not signed one of the key free agents, they're upset at Scott Boris. Does that seem like the right guy to be mad at? Your team well, hasn't he seems signed like a player easy, you want. 
I mean, he seems like an easy target. Obviously, he's the uh, the face of the some of those players, and I guess players in general when free agency happens. I on the other, I mean, I understand like some of the reasons why people are upset that uh, you know we're kind of dragging out the rosters, and it's like, can we do something already? And let's go. And spring training started, and I get all that. I blame, however, uh, the man or the men on the other side of the uh, negotiating table, who are I, I think. Pretty obviously, it's it's a it's a soft collusion, if not a hard one, and they're uh, you know they're obviously trying to keep costs down, which is their prerogative. But I mean, let's let's be real about it and call them out on it, and that's what baseball owners are doing. And uh, it is pretty obvious to me that that's what's happening, and it's not just Scott Boris being greedy. Uh, there's everyone else being greedy, so that's what I think. I mean, if I were if I were a baseball player, and I needed to hire an agent, that would be the guy I would want to be my agent. And even if he's not your agent, or maybe for whatever reason you don't like him, personalities, or maybe you don't even like his style or his methods or whatever, Scott Boris is is good for players, yes. even if they're not his, because he makes sure the the owners spend more of the money that they have. I don't understand. I'd never understand. You know, we need a salary cap and all that. Why, why would you want those clods to have more of the money? What, what is that going to give us? That doesn't give us anything. We get nothing out of that. I mean, I'm, I've always, I've always been of this opinion. I've only recently uh, figured out um, how to voice it. That as a fan, I don't, I don't care what, I'm a fan of the Cubs. I don't care what the Cubs payroll is. What I care about is how many good baseball players they have on their roster. And if they have a lot of good baseball players and it's cheap, well, good for you. I'm happy for you. If they have a lot of good players and it's expensive, I don't really care. And if you don't have good players, then no matter what your payroll is, it's not enough. You need to spend more to get more good players. We can all go. You've explained it. Good night. Yeah. But it's like, it's like Brewer fans trying to take your well yeah we made the playoffs we lost the first round but look at our payroll we only paid it's like really you're you're all excited that uh, your billionaire owner mark antanasio who's a billionaire just like the other guys just chooses to have a lower payroll because of the size of the market you don't get extra points for winning with less money you just over time you just win less it's not like some video game where maybe that's a part of it you know where you can uh I assume that uh, the simulations and all that have that option where you get extra points for or a rotisserie draft, a fantasy draft, where you know you have a salary cap. And there's, it's not. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's not anything to to hang your hat on. There's no, there's no real trophy for that, even though they passed around a trophy for keeping the arbitrate winning arbitration. Yeah, that's for great. Um, they. The fans that seem most upset by it seem seem to be of the opinion that let's just use Cody Bellinger as an example that Scott won't let Cody Bellinger sign with the Cubs unless the Cubs pay X amount of money. And it's like, do right. you not understand that that's not do you, you don't understand that's not how that works, right? Who works for who? The agent works for the player. One of the reasons players like Scott is that he'll take all the shit. You know, a prominent player can change teams and 
if Boris is their agent, he'll be the one who gets blamed by the home fans who lost their favorite player instead of the player. Bryce Harper went from the Nationals to the Phillies, went in the same division, and National fans were just mad at Scott Boris. Right. Well, that just allows Bryce to change teams and not have to take as much crap, which is a great service that your agent is providing to you. Another reason, you know, you asked, well, why, you know, you kind of asked, well, why wouldn't every player want him to be your agent? There's another good reason right there, what you just said. And it's not, uh, there are, you know, if you, I know the internet is a hard place to find facts, but um, if you look at uh, Boris's history, there are several examples of where, you know, the the, the player made it a point to say, um, you know, I want to sign for this amount and maybe it isn't the most, you know, if you just look at the history of Scott Boris's signings, they're not all he, he absolutely had to get top dollar. Some of them are like Steven Strasburg comes to mind. And, uh, you know, who knows like what a hometown discount is worth, but it's, uh, it's just, it's not true that um, he won't let people sign literally yeah. and figuratively. It's just, uh, you know, choosing to, uh, to, to believe a certain narrative because it uh, makes you feel better, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a narrative started by owners a long time ago now. He's been an agent for quite a while. I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf was yeah. like the first prominent one who basically told whoever the GM was, probably Ron Schuler, probably not Hawk, um, we're not even going to negotiate with Scott Boris. over if, the, if, if a player has him as the agent, we're not going to negotiate with him. Well, that's great. You're basically just going to shut off access to some of the best players in baseball because they have an agent who will push you to pay them what they're what what they think they're worth instead of what you have decided that they're worth. Right. And it's not like, you know, the, the owners in, in many different forms don't have a history of, of sal- you know, salary suppression at, at every turn. It's not like, and it's not even like, I don't know, do, do I, I mean, I would rather compete and spend as much money as I could. On the one hand, maybe I don't blame them to, to not wanting to spend every last dollar. But let's acknowledge that that's where it's coming from. It's coming from them. Yeah. It's not Scott Boris's fault. No. I mean, if if Cody Bellinger told Scott today, I want to go back to the Cubs, work it out, He Scott would lose leverage and would go to Jed, and the two of them would actually work out a deal. That right. Would, unless, unless Jed really doesn't want to pay Cody anything. You know, he's decided he'd really – you know, he's, he wants to use the Boris thing as a smokescreen because they've decided they don't want to bring him back and they'll just be able to blame, you know, the uh, unrealistic demands of the agent. If the Cubs really are interested, Cody could tell Scott, make it happen, and Scott would go cut a deal and Cody would be prancing around the Cub outfield you know, right. early next week, probably. But there's just this idea, I think, that, you know, oh, God, he, he, he changed agents to Scott Boris. Now we're never going to be able to keep him. Well probably going to pay more than you were that's why he changed agents so uh, and it, now it just happens that as there's still a fair amount of free agents out there even though um, everybody reported to camp yesterday i mean teams that weren't there already everybody's there now right uh, and he's got four of the best ones he's still got he's got bellinger and matt chapman and he's got um two pitchers he's got snell and montgomery um and you'll even hear stuff like, well, I think the Cubs will probably get one of those four. 
you know, whichever one, whichever one's the last one and st- has their <laughs> hand out and four, please sign me. It's like, I hope it's a little more strategic than that. Oh, we'll just see who's left. That's who we'll take. What do you think, guys? That sounds good. So I've heard a lot of uh, people bringing up the idea of, for some reason, a deadline to sign free agents. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. I'm glad you brought this up. Well, okay. Well, I wanted to know what you, th- I mean, I, I haven't heard a good argument yet as to, A, why it's necessary, really, and and B, how it wouldn't serve as a, a anti-player, you know, yeah. salary suppression. Right. Well, Do you have an idea? No. Well, here's the question I want to ask you. What happens if you don't sign by the deadline? Right. Do you have to go to yeah, Korea? You say, oh, Japan? you're unemployed. Yeah. I, I mean, why would we want the best players not on a team if possible? Why is I, that good? I, I think the reason there's not a deadline is the owners couldn't figure out what the what happens after the deadline. Yeah, because it's it's not like the trade deadline, where if it passes now you just can't make a trade. Right. This is a free agent. This is a this is an unemployed worker who would like to then work for your company. And you've said, well, no, you can't sign here because we don't have a thing. Um, I mean, would they do it like, um, what was the, like, if you offer arbitration and the player doesn't sign, I forget why Craig Kimbrell couldn't sign until something passed and then he couldn't sign until the All-Star break. Right. Or what, it wasn't at May 1st. That, I remember that May 1st. Yeah, maybe it was. And then he let himself he had to go get back in shape and he right. didn't sign until june i don't remember what that was but there was a thing that happened that then he couldn't sign you wouldn't do right. that i mean that's you can't have you know 60 players who now just have to hang out for two months before they can go sign a contract with somebody yeah so they've added a bunch of like replacement players for a while to be I don't know how that improves the product. And I think the thing that got owners or not even it's really it's 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 baseball writers are the ones who want the deadline because this sucks. You know, having the news right. just kind of barely just kind of, you know, leak out over a months. Um, the uh, <laughs> the lockout a couple of years ago served as kind of a de facto deadline. Like Marcus Stroman had to hop on a plane and get to Chicago to get his physical done because he wanted the certainty of a deal before the lockout because he didn't know what right. it was going to look like afterwards. And so he signed that deal. And there were several players who signed deals in those last couple of days before. And they're like, see, this is great. It's like, okay, well, good. You just have to threaten a lockout every year. That's what's going right. That'll it'll trigger a deadline. And I do well, wonder people, how... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, nah, people come from a place of wanting to punish the, the worker. And, you know, uh, it's it's part of that primal feeling that all this is is a bunch of guys playing a game. So it's like, you know, I'd play for free. Yeah, because you suck and nobody would, you know, watch you play right. person. So it's, um, you know, that's kind of where it stems from. And, and uh, you know, putting somebody in their place kind of thing. It's odd to me, though, that, it's, that there's still so much, like, I guess maybe it's not odd. I mean, you're, you're fans of a team, and when you get spurned by a player who you wanted to be on your team, you lash out at the player. I could see in the olden days, back with the reserve clause, where you basically just you could force guys to play for you or play for nobody. Right. 
that when that changed, I could see where there were some baseball fans who were like, oh, this is terrible. You know, if your team lost a couple of good players and you never had to worry about that before, you're pissed. Right. This is 50 years ago. So how many of us that are baseball fans even remember that? So it's just it's right. odd to me that the attitude has still, like, lingered, but it does. And it, maybe they're just the ones who yell the loudest. Um, but, you know, I... I don't like it when guys that on my, you know, that play for the Cubs leave to go to other teams, but I always understand it. Um, I mean, I was even forgiving of Dexter Fowler went to the Cardinals for Christ's sakes. I was like, Oh God, no, but he got a lot of money and the Cubs weren't going to give it to him. So screw the Cubs. You know, they could, he would have stayed if they'd have paid him anywhere close to that. And they didn't want to, they were hot to trot to get to Albert Elmora and that worked out great. Hell, they tried to do it the year before. And he showed yeah. up at spring training and was like, I don't want to play for the Orioles. I really don't. They gave me a contract. I almost signed it. It's My agent has it on his phone. I can click on it. I don't want to. Theo, could you give me some money? Okay. <laughs> it's just... And I think now that's every, what all the Cup fans are waiting for. It's like the moment where all of a sudden the cameras, there's Cody prancing around in the grass. And it's like, oh, thank God he's back. Like a puppy. And with the Cody thing, and with, we're not even sure that the Cubs have ever made an offer. Right. It's not even like he's got one sitting there that he just won't, that he's like, oh, I guess we can do better than this. They may have only talked in very broad, you know, like, well, maybe this many years and maybe this much money. And you don't have anything hard to go by. Because I think they're clearly at this point waiting just hoping nobody else really is that interested and they get him cheap and they get him for well, four years like, and they want. We're, we're like half a step away from, uh, I mean, it, I mean, it wouldn't happen because Boris is the agent, but we're half a step away from the agent giving the Cubs a blank check and saying, Hey, sign Andre Dawson for half a million dollars or whatever. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. I mean, it's... Boris can't be that worried yet because we haven't, the mystery team hasn't floated out yet. When the mystery team comes out, that's when, you know, things are getting, he's looking, he's fishing. That's when the, that's when that happens. It's right. It sounds like it's down to the Cubs, the Blue Jays and the angels. And are these the three places where, uh, Cody's fiance or wife has, uh, Instagram from, I don't know. Is that how we know that? I know. Was, I know. One was Toronto. That's what. Yeah. That's the thing I'm referencing. And people thought, well, that's the Blue Jays are up because. Yeah. Um. And of those three, the only you know, Boris, when he gets to this point, what he really likes to do is go right to the owner. You know, done with them. Done talking to the GM or the president of baseball, whatever. Going to the owner. We're just going to get this done. Right. And Artie is the kind of guy who I mean, he's done it to him before. He saddled he sure him with is. players. I'm pretty sure he was, he's Anthony Rendon's agent, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that guy had to like wheel him in on a, you know, 
wait a minute, what, why is, how many casts does he have? Don't worry about it. He's fine. It's all, it's all cosmetic. Um, so, I mean, that I think is the, to me, the biggest threat to the Cubs getting him back, other than the Cubs just saying, you know what, we really don't, we don't really don't want to do this, is, are the Angels. And if you're Cody, he played for the Dodgers. Do you really want to go play for the Angels? You know, you're going to be back in the same time. We looking, you know, looking across town at the. It like, is oh the my god, they're town. good. Oh well. No, you probably want to have the Angels as that uh, leverage factor yes. rather than because right. it doesn't I... seem it doesn't seem like a fun time right now. No, no Shohei even. No. So. No, and then the. There was some thought about the maybe the Giants would be in there because they Farhan is like throwing money out into please take my money. <laughs> Jorge Soler finally took some of his money, um, but to me that's the worst possible park for Cody. Yes, I mean I, those that's opposite power. field gap power is just outs there over and that's over. That's why Bonds built up so much. He was trying. To, Barry just wanted to hit one into that big glove. Right. I just want to get it there. How big do I have to get? <laughs> so, uh, one of the guys from Chuggo, who was out at spring training, <laughs> and I assume they went to spring training just to get the Cubs' thoughts on uh, what the Bears should do with Justin Fields. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm getting over a cough. Be careful. They got a little sensitive about the criticism that they went to Vegas to cover for, for the Super Bowl, and all they asked anybody about was uh, Caleb Williams and Justin Fields. And then they wrote stories like, "The Super Bowl's coming, but the Bears are the talk of the Super Bowl." <laughs> it's like, we yeah, you know what? They're not. No, they're, they're, we didn't I'm sorry. do that ourselves. Uh, but anyway, uh, so he asked uh, Ryan Herrera asked uh, Nico Horner uh, a very sensible question. Is, is this Cubs team better than last year's? This is Nico's answer. I'm going to take a deep <laughs> breath. Yeah, I mean, I think all of us are asking that question individually and as a group. I think it's up to us to answer that just as the season plays out. I think anytime you go too deep in predicting baseball, it's usually not very accurate. Obviously, you want the best possible team you can have on the diamond, and there's still players out there. Uh, so I don't know exactly what that'll look like. But as far as the group that we have here right now, I think we have definitely what we need to compete as well as make a lot of improvements internally. And I'm just excited about the mindset that the guys have about that. So I characterize that, the that longest, as, as the longest a, no I've ever heard. Yeah, it's, I call that a Stanford no. <laughs> uh, it's too bad John Lester's not around. I think you just ask right. John. Are you guys better? Fuck no. We're a lot worse. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck we're doing. So, um, last night, um, Dave Kaplan tweeted out a uh, a link to, you know, he does the recap. I don't know if you've ever seen the recap. Somebody I pays him to go on YouTube and scream at the camera for, for yeah. scream at his phone for three minutes about whatever happened that day. And, um, and then he has a recap podcast about the Cubs with Gordon Wittenmeyer, even though Gordon is now the beat writer for the Reds. Still going to do the recap. And then Gordon's also going to write a column for the recap website. And he did. He wrote one. And basically what he was writing about uh, yesterday was that the, the Cubs are fucking this up and their fans should be mad at the Cubs for 
you know, squandering a chance to win a very winnable division. And I simply tweeted out, Gordon has quite the gift. Even when you agree with him, you get halfway through what he wrote and go, oh, fuck this. <laughs> I tweeted that. I'm going to guess 45 seconds later, I look at my phone. It's Cap. And I'm like, well, somebody's on Twitter. So I answered it, and he's laughing hysterically. He thought it was so funny. Um, and he's like, yeah, he's, oh, I love Gordon. He's great. Yeah, he pisses everybody off. I'm like, yeah, well, he does. And so then we just talked about the Cubs for like five minutes before we uh, hung up. And, uh, you know, Cap was like, they just seem to think that next year is the year they're going to be good. Next year. Next year. Like, well, that's a very Cub. Wait till next year. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. It's all the, all the coveted prospects will be ready by then. So you can't block any of these guys. So you can't. Who are you going to do? You can't possibly. What will happen to Pete Crow Armstrong if Cody's out there in center field? Well, Cody can play first base. What happens to Michael Bush if Cody plays first base? Well, one of those guys could probably DH. Well, what happens if they sign uh, Matt Chapman really and then Matt Shaw is ready in a year? It's like there's a lot of what ifs in this question. How about this? How about you go get some good baseball players? And then if it turns out you have a glut at a position, you could trade from a position of strength. So even if the the, the little Carter and his band of khaki-wearing nerds in the Cubs front office have all agreed that, oh, God, 2025, we're going to be amazing. (laughs) You can't convince me that's any reason not to try to make the 2024 team better. Because, A, how many of these prospects are going to actually make it? And then, B, even if you do, then you can use that surplus to improve other parts of your team. And uh, Cap agreed with that, and then he had to go. I don't know yet. He had to do cryo or something. Um, so I just, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. It's, it's, it seems very clear now that the, that the pessimists in us who, when the Cubs threw David Ross overboard and brought Craig Council in. Right. Even though we got all excited and thought, all right, good. This, this proves they're, they can be ruthless. They can, if they think they can improve, they're going to do it. But then we're like, you know, it would be funny is if it turns out the only reason they got Council is because he's one with low payrolls and they have no intention of adding to their payroll. And then that's what they've done. Pretty much. Do the, uh, does the marquee contract, uh, how long does that go for? Because in other cities, people ask about the, uh, the, the local TV contract as being a hindrance for manage like Minnesota. Well, you know, we don't the, know what it's going to bring, so yeah. we're not spending. Right. Well, here's the thing about the market because the Cubs own them. Yeah. Forever. There is no contract. Right. That's them forever. That's supposedly, that's supposed to be an advantage that they know how much money they're going to generate. Like they're, right. they're not, they're not at the whims of their RSN. Um, I think it's very clear that Marquis has underperformed what they thought it was going to. And that is a part of the reason they've, that they're, you know, being, uh, what was his, uh, they're doing intelligence spending. <laughs> that was just, I love that. He last year, he's like, oh, we were trying a new strategy, intelligence spending. Does that mean that the old strategy was just throw shit at the wall? And... That's not damning or anything. But yeah, that's another, so when I try to give Jed the benefit of the doubt, part of me thinks that there's really, it, it, it feels like there's really kind of like, there's two shoes that still have to drop in this off season. The first one is well, not even the first one. They, they could drop simultaneously, but it's the, 
the free agents who still haven't signed, but then there's also those like 10 teams who are dependent on Diamond Sports Group to give them the money that they've promised. And at some point before they have to actually cut the first checks, they realize, okay, we're, I know we're supposed to get 75 million from them, but we're not getting that much. There's no way. Right. So we got to get rid of somebody. And I kind of feel like some of those GMs are like, there's going to be good players that end up like during spring training or at the end of spring training who are suddenly available. And if we just hold on, maybe we can get one of those guys. I mean, that's, yeah. that's why there's always the rumors, you know, because the Dolans are notoriously cheap. Not me though. I mean, I always urge <laughs> uncle Larry to just spend whatever. I mean, come on. We want to, we want a winner here in Cleveland. Right. Um, the apple falls far from that tree. Yes. And you're, Kids. Well, I sit in the board meetings and I scream and yell, and then they're like, "You're not one, you're not one of these Dolans. You're not that Dolan. You're not invited. You have to leave now again." Okay, fine. But that's why you get the rumors about like Emmanuel Classe being on the market, and that's the only reason for that is Cleveland doesn't like to spend, and they might have less coming in than they even expected, and it's like, "Are oh, you got to get rid of somebody?" Um, even though I, you, you wouldn't have to do it before the April 1st. You could do it at mid-season. Yeah. Some of these teams are going to be like, okay, fine. We got to dump some payroll. Because... And you and I both know it's not a matter of can the owners afford it? It's just we don't want to. Do they want? We don't want to run that big a deficit. We could, right. but we don't want to. So you got to go. Got to cut, trim some payroll. It's, you know, it's not that different than the, the Angels' brilliant maneuvering at the deadline where they didn't trade Shohei, which they could have got the biggest haul anybody's ever gotten for a rental ever. And then they, <coughs> excuse me, then they immediately immediately fall out of the race and then realize, okay, we can't do waiver trades anymore. We'll just release all these guys. And if they get claimed, then we'll we'll get an allergy tax. And it worked. They got under by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. I forget After who it was. There was one guy who didn't get... One guy it didn't get claimed, right? And it looked like right. they were going to be over, but they somehow they did yeah. the math and they were just under. Yes. So you're you're going to get something, I think, like that. Maybe not to that extent, but there's going to be teams who are like, all right, fine. And then there was hope, like Amazon is is going to invest in that because they want the local streaming rights for some of these teams. Right. But they're they're if if that deal if that part of the deal goes through, it's 165 million dollars, which you know to you and me it seems like a lot of money. Yeah. But Sinclair's supposed supposedly they owe like eight hundred and seventy million dollars in rights fees to these or fees to these teams. So yeah, that alone will not save them. Right. So not everybody's getting all their money. And there's still three teams I think that are going to have to produce their own. The the Twins, right? The Twins don't have no. The an Twins RSM. signed out. They their contract had run out with Bally, oh, but okay. they they signed on for one more year. That's right. They did a they did a pillow contract. Right. They got a Scott Boris pillow contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of pillow. Well, and that well, my pillow. That's a that's a Minnesota <laughs> yes. company, right? I don't know how solvent that is either. Uh, so there's that. Uh, speaking of spending, the uh, 101 win Baltimore Orioles, who decided, nah, we're good, didn't improve their team at the deadline. Uh, well, I got Jack Flaherty. <laughs> <laughs> they got some coupons for uh, MRIs. 
just in case. And then they they traded for him. Right. Uh, they went out and made a big boy trade, and they got Corbin Burns from the Brewers, and they apparently are being sold. So kind of you know those that news came out I think within like twelve hours of each other. Something like that, yeah. Um, it's probably too soon to tell, but I'll ask anyway. Do we think this is the this is a uh, harbinger? Like I said it right this time of things to come for the Orioles, where they have all this good young talent. They're actually going to supplement it with. Uh, proven veterans, or is this, well, Corbin's a free agent at the end of next year, and we can just let him go, and we'll go find somebody else. Yeah. I haven't gotten gotten the feeling that they're going to keep him, but I do think, and I think their their GM is definitely, uh, Mike uh, Elias takes pride in doing things on the cheap and doing things, you know, getting the the team how he he's gotten it so far with the younger players so i think i don't know if he is of a mind to go out and spend lots and lots of extra money on veteran people like burns but i think the vibe that i get from the new owner coming in is that you know even though he made his money in hedge funds and that kind of thing and um i think he he's gonna spend money i think he grew up an orioles fan so at least at first I think he's going to be interested in adding on uh, in that way. I, I don't know how like expansive it's going to be or extensive. Um, I don't know if Burns is going to stay with them long-term, him specifically, or they'll bring in other players, different free agent types. But, uh, you know, I think, um, I think, and especially now, I mean, they're going to have to because there's a couple guys showing up with arm injuries already. Um, so... You know they're they're Bradish, they're their number two starter, and John Means is behind a little bit, and you know he's coming off an injury anyway, so you, you're not 100 percent sure what they're going to get. The Orioles are going to have to make another, uh, maybe not Burns, but a Burns-like trade, and I think ownership will be willing to do that. So I think the short answer, even though I gave you a long one, is yes, they'll spend a little more. Yeah, so they've been linked to Dylan Cease now, um, which people have been trying to link them. It makes sense. Um, and it was funny. It was it was John Greenberg who pointed out that Dylan knows he's up, his time is up with the White Sox. He just you know he's he could see that that they're going to trade. Yeah. Him. And he said how disappointed he is because he really likes Chicago. And John's like he does remember right that there is another team in town. He goes that <laughs> shows that the Cubs you know that seems like a really you know even though they already traded him they traded him away once. <clears throat> it does seem like a sensible move given their current. Roster that would try be. to go get him, and they everybody knows they have no interest in that. Ah, I'm not gonna be doing that. So there's that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's this whole idea that it's almost like because the Orioles' farm system is so good, and the guys they brought up have actually been as good as advertised, it's almost like there becomes a feeling then that that's just gonna we're just gonna keep doing that, right? And it's like. I take it from the uh, the 2016 Cubs. That could change really fast. That that doesn't last forever, and that and that phrase doesn't even cover how soon it can end. Yes, past performance is not indicative of future results. Just like the right. gambling disclaimer on every ad that you ever hear. You know, it's if you have a if you have a a a, uh, a minor league system full of prospects. If you make sensible trades with those guys, you will you will almost certainly do better trading them than keeping them. 
even if right. one of them turns out to be like a star. Right. And what you really hope is you 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 can scout your own players well enough to know there's like the one guy. Nope, I can't trade this guy. Not doing that. But yeah. these guys, you know, that was to me was one of the biggest failings of the Theo Epstein Cubs is that they they couldn't take a clear-eyed view of some of their own prospects. Like they were so enamored with Albert Almora that they couldn't see that he made he yes he made a lot of contact, but he would swing at stuff out of the zone and he didn't hit it very hard. And yes, he was an excellent outfielder, but he's so slow that you know, well, he catches everything he gets to. Well, yeah, he catches he gets to about a third of what he should. <laughs> and then they would never trade him. And then they ended up, you know, I think he ended up in Cincinnati. I don't remember how he got there. I think they DFA'd him. Um, but even in the run-up after the World Series, there was supposedly this time at the near the deadline in 2017 where Theo was so upset with how the team was playing that he was going to shake it up by trading one of the young players. And instead... He made the, ironically, he made the the uh, Dylan Cease, Eloy Jimenez trade and got Jose Quintana, and then the Cubs got hot in the second half, and they made the playoffs. Um, and then they never seemed interested in that. And then Jed never seemed interested in keeping any of them. So you had this weird thing where it just kind of slowly marched to nothing. And then they all got traded at one deadline for pennies on the dollar. And the Orioles, you could see them, if they had followed the same approach, you could see them doing a similar thing without ever winning anything. Right. Because at least the what the Cubs did was, for a two-year period, they went for it. They got they got John Lester. They tried to go for it with Jason Hayward. But they <clears throat> they made moves. Um, that's the other, the other thing that I've been repeating too often lately is about the disgust with the, the current status of the Cubs is – Jed is clearly trying to build a team that can win somewhere in the high 80s and get into the playoffs because then anything can happen. You know, it's a great thing to sell. It's easy to sell to the owner and some of the dumber fans. Um, when the World Series team that we saw, it's, I mean, it's, it's been eight years now. It's been a long time, but it's not that long. Right. That team was built. That team wasn't built to win 86 games and limp into the playoffs and get hot. They were built to win 100 games and kick everybody's ass. Yeah. You saw that work. And, and the, here's the thing, if, if that's your goal and you fall a little bit short, you still have a really good team. If your goal is to win 85 games and you come up a little short, you don't make the playoffs again. It's, I don't get it, but, you know. Well, even um, with the, the lack of multiple World Series victories, you know, the, the Dodgers find themselves constantly in position to, to win a World Series, and like you said, uh, you know, maybe they, maybe you fail. But if you lose a hundred game, if you win a hundred games and you still fall short of your goal, you know, you've even in a, if you take a cynical view of it, you've people have been excited for yep. most of the year. You've made a lot of money for most of the year. Yep. It helps you sustain things. You know, it's uh, you know, it's easy to say because the Dodgers have so many resources, but that should be every team's goal to, yeah. to try and do that. But well, they've, not... they've won like what 10 of the last 11 NL West, and the one time they didn't win it, they won 106 games and they didn't right. win the division because the Giants won 107. And they're the they're the argument to the oh, well, you know, it's, it's you can't go, we, we would love to, but we can't go over the luxury tax because. Those penalties are just so severe that you wouldn't be able to build a good farm system, you know, because you'd lose you lose 
money in your in your draft pool and your uh, international pool, and you get you your first round draft pick goes down. Say, so, yeah, well, guess what? The Dodgers pay the luxury tax most of the time, and they're really good, and they have one of the best farm systems in baseball. They somehow have figured out how to do it. So it sounds yeah. like more of an excuse than a reason not to go over. You don't well, want to I go mean, over because there's a financial penalty, and it's the especially the first level. It's a very weak financial penalty. Right. Don't you pay like you pay X percent on just the overage? It's not like they're taking your old two hundred thirty-nine million dollar payroll and penalizing you. If you spend two hundred forty-six thousand million dollars, you pay on the seven million. You don't pay right. on the whole thing. But there are teams who won't go over, like the Cubs last year. One of the reasons they didn't add a bigger relief pitcher was they didn't want to go over the luxury tax, and they were right up against it. And then, so then there were people who were like, their apologists are like, well, see, that's actually smart, though, because now next year, they didn't go over this year. Next year, they can really go way over. Well, they're gonna—they're not going over again this year. Right. They just did it because they didn't want to. Not because it was some great strategy about, well, you know, if you look over the next few years, we're going to be way over that. So every year we can... The team who did it the best was a surprise was the Dodgers, who last year got under the luxury tax, still won 100 and whatever games, won the West, and then this year they just blew way past it. But they've reset it so that now they're not on year six of the penalties, they're on year zero. Next year they'll be on year one again, and they'll slowly build themselves back up. The Dodgers put enough money into player development and scouting that it's uh, that's another – not a, a, a talent stream. I mean, they're uh, you know, even though they're not necessarily picking that well the draft, or you know, they have other limitations on maybe what they can spend and where. They still have, uh, you know, they they, they um, what's the word? But you know, they, they're they're able to develop what they get better than most teams because they they put the resources into it, and that's a, a lot of teams don't even do that. No. If only the pirates would. Yeah, I'd feel sorry for them a little bit if they if they did and weren't successful. I forget but who pointed it out, but the, there, they somebody the, the tax money. I forget yesterday somebody was like, "Well, the pirates should just go out and sign Jordan Montgomery." They said, "Yo, because the pirates they have like the lowest payroll in baseball. If they signed Jordan Montgomery, they would still have the lowest payroll in baseball. That's how right. low their payroll is. They could blow it out on a big free agent, and they would still have the lowest payroll." An example of the of the Dodgers and how this how this all works. So they have uh, they the trade they made with the Cubs. They traded Michael Bush and they got Jackson Ferris, who's a like a class A pitcher, but who was a big deal. It was a huge deal that the Cubs they stretched to draft him. Nobody thought he was signable, and they signed him. And they got this big left-handed pitcher in the system, and everybody's all excited about him. And the Dodgers had Michael Bush, but they have they have he could play. He can play first base or third base, kind of. And But between DH with Shohei and Freddie Freeman at first and Mac Muncy at third, there's nowhere for Michael Bush to play. Right. They were not worried about blocking Michael Bush. They weren't. That didn't keep him from signing Shohei. Like, oh, no, we got to DH this guy. They traded him for a young pitcher that goes back into the system, and they'll. that's this whole idea then, well, we, we can't sign a free agent because we might block one of our young guys. It's like, you just made a trade with the Dodgers because they did that. Right. They blocked a guy and instead of sitting on him, they traded him for something else that they needed. So, you know, you couldn't, <clears throat> the, 
the Cub front office right now, for a front office that has not won anything, I mean, Theo's gone. You know, he's back with the Red Sox now. They still get a lot. They get a huge benefit of the doubt from a big part of the fan base about how how what it. It's kind of like in the Super Bowl where <clears throat> Tony Romo, every just everything was genius. Do you notice that he's used that yeah. word like a thousand times? Oh, that's a genius decision. Oh, that's a genius. Whatever. The two things he did ad nauseum was his genius, and then I thought this was enlightening for when you think back to Tony's career. He talked about how nervous the players must be over and over and over again. <laughs> It's like, Tony, they're football players. They were nervous probably until kickoff. And now it's right. a football game. I mean, yeah, there's a little more nerves. It's a Super Bowl, but they're doing what they do. I mean, the fact that you were so nervous that you dropped a snap and cost the Cowboys a playoff game against the Seahawks, which helped the Bears, because the Bears got to play the losing Seahawks the next week. Yeah. Or the Seahawks who had a losing record. They got to play them the next week. That was enlightening. Well, anyway, there's a lot of Cub fans who everything this front office does is genius. And they they can't they can't, they oh they Craig Breslow left oh he's a genius he did all these amazing things with the with the pitch lab like all right where are all the great pitchers like yeah Justin Seals good now he was in the Myers for seven years with the Cubs <laughs> it took the pitch lab seven years to turn him into a good pitcher and then or Dan Cantrovitz who almost left to go work in the Mets front office like oh my God all these great prospects well Cantrovitz has done drafts with the Cardinals the A's and the Cubs. And you think back to the you know the really good players like oh with the A's, uh, like Matt Chapman and Matt Olson. He didn't draft either one of them. Uh, he did draft Sean Murphy. That's like the best player he drafted with the A's. That's a good player. That's with the Cardinals, all those great drafts, he drafted Flaherty and Waka. But then his next best player, the of all of his drafts, the next most impactful player he drafted, Patrick Wisdom. <laughs> But they can't give this guy enough credit for all this stuff. And it's like, I got news for you. Maybe, maybe they're not as smart as you think they are. Right. Maybe some of this obvious stuff they don't do. They don't do because their job is to save their owners money. And then frame it to you as this grand strategy. And just keep buying it. Just, oh, take it in. It's great. Um. Speaking of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl week, uh, I don't know if you knew this, Super Bowl was in Las Vegas. It may have, Jim Nasby right. mentioned that once or 10,000 times. Um, the mayor of uh, Las Vegas, Carolyn Goodman, if that name sounds familiar, it's because her husband, Oscar, was mayor. For Oscar. Like, either Oscar or Carolyn's been mayor of Vegas since since the days of Mo Green and the Tropicana. <laughs> um, at a luncheon, I guess, basically said I think she got asked about the A's and she's like, well, I don't know if that stadium deal is, is going to happen or if it's even a good deal for the, for Las Vegas. Uh, the, the Oakland seems to want them. They should just stay there. And then she, within a couple of hours had to issue a statement that was like, Oh no, no, of course we welcome. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the <laughs> thing that is rich to me is that where speaking of the Tropicana, the Tropicana <laughs> is going to be torn down to build the A's stadium. That is not in Las Vegas proper. Carolyn Goodman is not the mayor of that part of the Strip. In fact, most of the Strip is Clark County. It's not the city of Las Vegas. So she really doesn't have a vested interest in, like, she's not going to see any direct cash from the stadium. Right. So I thought it was very funny that she was free to just, basically what she was free to do was tell the truth. 
<laughs> yes. Because it wasn't like the mayor screwing over a big building project in her city. That's not in her city. So you just look at it and go, oh, that deal's going to suck too. And I don't think they have the money. <laughs> this whole A's thing is just, it's crazy to me. Um, the, well, the owner of the A's is, I mean, I guess, uh, if, I don't know if he's first among equals as far as fools, but he does have, you know, a billion dollars. But John Fisher is just, has shown himself to be completely uh, not competent. I mean, he can't, right now he's, he's put the, them in a bind. They, they can't even just go back to uh, the Oakland Coliseum without some kind of concessions or it's not like they can just hit a renew button. I mean, he's really kind of screwed himself into, you know, there's, there are only so many places for so long that you could have moved the A's temporarily and, you know, gotten approval from the players association. You've got, he's got too many people to, uh, uh, to, um, satisfy to, uh, to do that. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if this means like Salt Lake City is going to steal the A's, yeah. or if Oakland could still keep them long term. I can't. I just. Don't, I don't know what, how this is going to end. It, it seems like they've backed themselves into a corner. Yeah. The. It sounds like the county, Alameda County, could kick them out of the Coliseum after this year. Could basically say, if yeah. you're not staying long term, you can't play here. So then, where do they play? Well. If they leave their own TV market, the San Francisco, Oakland TV market, then NBC Sports California is off the hook and doesn't have to pay them the $70 million they owe them for TV rights. Right. So they, if there was some thought they could take the, the – they, they had their AAA affiliate just happens to be in Vegas. They could take that park and they could try to do some upgrades and they could move to Vegas. Well, first, you have to make the upgrades well enough that the Player Association approves it, and then – you've got to find a TV partner three years earlier than you thought. Right. So then they're like, well, maybe what if we got special dispensation and we, from the NBC sports California, and we went to Sacramento where they're like double a team <laughs> and they can play there. <laughs> and then maybe we can get the best of both worlds. And they're like, well, it's not the same. And I don't know that we want to do that. And then it's like, okay, well maybe we could, we can ask the giants. We could play half. We could play our home games in Oracle park. And the Giants are like, well, you could play some here, but no, there's no way we're going to let you play 81 games here. Like, you're going to have to find another home for at least for the majority of those games. So they really have screwed themselves, at least out of their own TV money, no matter where they land in the interim. Which, and it's funny too, the Giants have, uh, at, at, at every turn where they've had some say, they've kind of screwed the A's through yeah. the years. San Jose and yeah. so forth. The biggest one is San Jose, right? They yeah. They could have cut they could have cut a deal to basically cuz that's their territory. Right. To let the A's have have it and somehow taken a cut, kind of Peter Angelos um mm. MA, you know, the with the TV network screwed over the Nats on their TV rights. Right. And they said, "No, screw it. We're keeping it all." And it's it does behoove them because if the A's move then the Bay Area, which I think is like the fourth biggest TV market in the country, it's all Giants now. Well, that's what Rob Manfred said. He's today's like, hey, you know, what do what what do you say to the A's fans? He's like, well, they could just watch the Giants. Yeah. That's just what you Thanks, want to Rob. tell the A's fans. Yeah. Well, and then we've got the Sox, you know, in the park that the 
state of Illinois paid for because Jim Thompson pushed the clock back literally like five minutes <laughs> that they've been playing in rent free for whatever. Now that's not good enough anymore. Uh, we get, now we get, we're going to, we need to build a new park. Cause that's going to, that's going to fix everything. To me, the funniest thing about new Comiskey, whatever it is, third rate ballpark or whatever they call it. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. Is, uh, that when they built it, now the, the, you know, you know, obviously the, the biggest complaint is the skyline is right over there and, right. and they oriented the park in such a way that they pointed away from the skyline and they did it because if they, if home plate was where they put it, then it was still 35th and Shields. So they have the same address or, you know, they have the same street cross streets when we all know what the real reason was, if they pointed it away from the skyline then when they put those ridiculously huge billboards up that they've had in the outfield since the day it started there's well i don't know if one of them still says tribune but you close your eyes to think of us one of the sides giving up a home run it's going in front of the tribune sign uh -huh. they weren't blocking the skyline nobody bitched they were blocking what was left of cabrini green right and it, they wanted that revenue that was by far the biggest that was by far the biggest part of that decision it wasn't well no we gotta keep the address it was, well, shit, if we point at the skyline, everybody's going to be pissed that they can't see the skyline. So we'll just go this you way. You still could have called it 35th and Shields anyway. Yes. Even if that was left field. Hell, most of their fans still call it Sox Park. Right. It's never been, it's never been named Sox Park. Comiskey hadn't been, old Comiskey hadn't been named Sox Park for whatever. They, they, they did rename Comiskey Sox Park for like two years in the 70s. They've yeah. seen, they did. They, I mean, I don't know how long it was, but it wasn't that long. Okay. But it, it was, I mean, it wasn't, it was like two, like 75, 76 before Bill Vec came back, something like that. But your point is still largely correct. Yeah. It's the best kind of correct. Yeah, largely is the best kind. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the A's are just a mess. And, you know, it's, it's too bad. There's their mayor is happy to tell people as this continues to like blow up in John Fisher's face is happy <laughs> to tell them like, you know, they're like, you know, we actually have two uh, ballpark plans that we can fund. Oh, it's balloon. I made balloons. Go <laughs> How'd you do that? I did, people like, see Nixon, that? I did like the Nixon thing. Well, no, we don't record the video yet. So, Oh, um, I'm not a crook. They want, they could build that fancy one down on the Bay that they've talked about or, um, the most sensible one is tear down the Coliseum and then build a real park where the Coliseum was. I mean, yeah. parts of the, I mean, there's a whole reason for all the problems with the Coliseum. A lot of it has to do with Al Davis. Right. They moved, the Raiders moved away. When they moved back, he had them by the short hairs and he built that, what they call that ridiculous Mount Davis in center field Mount that Davis, ruined the yeah. look of the park and the views you had from the park and all that stuff. Um, he must've gone in and tinkered with the plumbing to make it, you know, come back up into the dugouts. <laughs> um, but even that one requires them that requires them to locate relocate for like two years because if you tear i mean honestly i don't know how many people would notice if you just tore down the coliseum and you played in the rubble for a couple of years <laughs> people might not even notice like actually it's nicer here now what did they tore it down no uh, i hurt myself on the rebar <laughs> yeah that would be uh nick madrigal has uh <laughs> is impaled he's on his day-to-day -day, he impaled himself on some rebar there's that um 
big news this week, the baseball's uh, commissioner, Rob Manfred, is retiring in five years. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the notice, Rob. We didn't want to catch it by anybody by surprise. Thanks for the slow walk. Um, why do we? Why do you announce retirement five years in advance? Is it Did the A's enough time to find a place yeah. to play? I don't know. Um, I almost wondered if he thought they were starting to get antsy, and now they don't have to oust him because he's leaving. So, well, they might get rid of me in two years. What if I announce I'm going to retire in five? They wouldn't even bother. They just let me do the five years. But I think yeah. owners are happy with Rob, right? I would think so. He takes a lot of he takes most of the shit instead of them. He manages to squeeze money out of places that it doesn't make any sense that they want to give baseball money. He's the real Scott Boris. You think that sounds like what you're describing? Yeah. Maybe he'll become uh, an I, agent after he re- after he retires. <laughs> Probably not. Well, I mean, he is. Uh, I don't know if it's because people look younger than they used to, but he's going to be seventy in five years. It doesn't seem he doesn't look that age. I don't know if they if the owners can be. Maybe they're if they don't like what he did. Maybe it's uh, not anticipating the uh, the cord cutting and how the, the digital rights uh, situation has been. You know, not settled yet because yeah. he's he's got like. 14 teams ready to go yep. for a digital platform, but it's just not ready yet. I, I don't know if, if they don't like the timing on that and they want some certainty and, you know. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, but the, the reason that baseball, the reason that the TV package has been fucked up in baseball forever is because of the owners. Um, yeah. Bud, Bud identified this as a problem like 15 years ago, maybe even longer than that. And the whole, it was, he wanted to get rid of the blackouts. He's like, this is ridiculous. You know, you've got, like, it's ironic that Las Vegas, where they might end up with a team, they, there's like six teams they're blacked out. They're blacked out from seeing. Yeah, right. Uh, Iowa, there's like five teams that they're blacked out from seeing. So, because I don't live in the Chicago media market, I live just to the north and the west of it, I'm actually blacked out of four teams. The, Cubs, White Sox, Brewers, and Cardinals. But obviously the local cable or whatever covers the Cubs and the White Sox, so I can see all the games. But I can't see the Brewers or the Cardinals. Now, if I get when I had DirecTV and I bought the whole sports pack thing, I could watch the games. There was a way around it. But it's the Brewers and Cardinals, so I don't care. They're not doing me a favor. I oh, I can't see Chip Carey? Oh, no, that's awful. Uh, but, the, I mean, even that's ridiculous. We're blocked out, blacked out of 14. So Bud had identified that, and he identified it correctly as this is going to hurt growing baseball. If there's, like, some kid wants to watch, he has a new favorite team that we can't watch them. Why? Well, their uh, territorial rights uh, go into here, and that means that we have to watch it through their carrier, uh, but our carriers don't carry their carrier, and so we can't, you know, we can't explain that to a little kid. But the reason it's the way it is is because there was great value to the teams in having the local rights and having those blackouts in effect because they could basically force cable companies to carry them right? and they could wring bigger fees out of them as a result. But then as people started to cut the cord, they weren't able to cut the same kind of deals with the same number of people. And all of a sudden people like dish network said, don't care. We did a survey. Most of our, 
most of our viewers don't watch, don't claim they don't care if they can't get your games. So we're not yeah. paying you for it. And you're just not going to get it all. And it happened more and more and more. Um, and the only way to fix it now is they literally have to wait for everybody's deals to expire. And when you do the new one, you don't have the exclusive exclusivity anymore. Right. And one of the reasons I think Rob was all excited about Diamond Sports Group going bankrupt was, well, here's a huge hunk of teams that will now control the rights for, and that's that's all they're relevant now. But Diamond is limping along, and it looks like they're going to make it through at least one more year, and he, can't, and he can't get his hands on those rights. But the reason they don't have the rights in the first place was because the owners wanted them. It was right. valuable to them. Now, there's some teams like the Cubs and the Yankees and the Red Sox who are like, we don't care. Everybody's going to carry us anyway. This allows us to get carried in other places. We're national brands. We want this. Go forth and multiply. And right. uh, but, there's a, but if you're a smaller market, you didn't want that. If you were Milwaukee, you didn't want anybody to be able to watch. You, know, you wanted teams black. You wanted the Cubs blacked out in Wisconsin so that teams had, people had to watch the Brewers instead of the Cubs. Right. So, but I could, it, that certainly would not stop owners from complaining to Rob that it's his fault. Right. Why didn't you do something? Although the Cubs don't seem to, you know, they, I used to love it when, when the Ricketts first bought the team and Crane Kenny would go out and he would say, well, one of the problems that we have is that we, we have terrible, um, local TV and radio deals. They're so under market. It's embarrassing. And it's like, all right, Crane, who negotiated those deals? Well, I did. <laughs> but I was working for the Tribune at the time, and it really benefited. It's like, all right, then shut up. You don't get to complain about it. You did it. It's the old, you know, might as well put the hot dog suit on. We're all trying to find the guy who did this. <laughs> who did this? And that guy's still there. It just amazes me. Oh, I... Talk about things that I don't understand. That's just bizarre to me. He was apparently part of this, like at least for the first couple of years, his position was somehow like guaranteed in the sales agreement. Like it was one of the conditions that Ricketts had to agree with. And it gave him two years to just kiss their ass. And he did it so well that he's still there. To Is the that point like where, uh, take care of Yosh Kawano forever? Basically. They should at least make Crane wear the little floppy hat. That's the designated. If you, the lifetime contract comes with the little floppy hat, you have to wear everywhere. <laughs> um, at least when Theo was there, Theo basically mandated. All right, <clears throat> all right, Tom, Crane is business. I'm baseball. He doesn't get to. He doesn't get to meddle over here. Jed right. is to the point where he'll talk about how. Well, you know, I sat and talked with Tom and Crane about this. Why? Why are we talking to Crane about any of this? Just make it go away. Uh, so the last thing I want to ask you about is, um, so I did a little thing where I decided, all right, how bad is this Cub lineup without, if they don't get Cody or replace Cody? And I did the lineup, and I, it was not pretty. But then I also wondered, all right, if baseball did this, if they said, all right, your rosters are frozen as of right now, we're going to start the season with this roster. Okay. What does the National League Central, do we think, look like if teams don't add anybody else from this point? I'll, I'll, I'll start with what I, how I rank them. Yeah. Um, I really think the Reds probably have the most talent. But I, because they're the fucking Cardinals, I put the Cardinals, the, the, I, I just know, they're annoyingly, they're going to finish last last year, 
done very little to improve their team. Sonny Gray is a good get. Um, Kyle Gibson and Lance yeah. Lynn are a waste of time. They're yeah. somehow going to win like the 84 games it takes to win the division. So I have the Cardinals, the Reds. I still have the Brewers, then the Cubs, and then the Pirates uh, bringing things up. I think I have the Cubs right now. Now, granted, I have those those top four teams would all be very close, I think. They're all very aggressively mediocre. Um, but what do you what do you think looking at it from – if I think if the Cubs would actually go and sign Bell Bellinger, I would pick them first. Yeah, I would too. Um, I really I I like the Reds generally, but it's kind of uh, they need some things to happen on their pitching side that haven't happened yet, and guys coming off injuries, and so I'm not sure if they've really accounted for that. Um, so. I guess if we if we froze, but still, if we froze the rosters today, I would say Reds. Boy, I don't know. Uh, Reds, Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs. Yeah, yeah, Pirates. I don't. I don't like it. I, I, I don't think any of them are that good. No, which no, is, no, the, I, I, no. I mean, yeah. as much as I like what the Reds are doing, it's like, do you like this as a, a finished product? Absolutely yeah. not. Well, the Reds are in a, to not quite the degree of the Orioles, but right. that's a team that because they have some real good young talent, if they would go out and they would spend a little money around that, they could build a really good team pretty quickly. But they seem to be in the same Oriole thing. as like, well, let's just see. Maybe this will just work without it, and we don't have to spend any of the money. Right. And then by the time you realize you need to do it, it's probably too late. If the Castellinis ever realize it. I mean, that's the it's still the greatest opening day pep talk for fans ever. <laughs> what are they going to do, root for a different team? <laughs> it's like saying the quiet part out loud because that's what every that's what all the owners think oh right. we got these suckers they've invested too many years of their lives to give up on us now we'll just do whatever the hell we want i kind of see the cardinals dropping back i i do i hope so. yeah yeah it's just the uh i give them i hate them maybe i give them too much credit but to me it just it feels like a very cardinal thing Right, like, because they were they earned that last place finish last year. They were bad, right. and they really haven't done that much to improve. But it just feels like, of course, it's a terrible division. So they get they're gonna finish last place one year. They not that much better this year, but it's enough to squeak in because the Cubs and Reds and couldn't get the, their shit together, and the Brewers have just decided that they they can only spend X amount. So they're constantly having to shuffle their, shuffle their roster around and contort themselves in weird ways to stay under an imaginary um, salary amount. I've read a couple of Brewers fans talking about, you know, well, I don't think the loss of Burns will matter that much. I mean, I don't know how you say something like that. And uh, in terms of how many games they're going to win or lose this year, I think it matters a lot. So, uh, and they, they don't have, the pitching depth that they did and they haven't added enough to the offense. I mean, we'll see the brewers kind of have a, a reds thing going a little bit with some of their younger players. Yep. So we'll see what that looks like full time for a whole season, but I, I'm not sure that they have 
they don't have the pitching either. So well, and they do have the red faced Pat Murphy screaming at everybody from the dugout. So that'll be yeah. Fun. I mean, that was a weird thing for. I mean, I have a feeling Craig Council is is secure enough in himself, but he switched teams and he doesn't have any coach that he's ever coached with before. Right. You know, even the, his Ryan Flaherty's his new bench coach. He's never worked with him before. Flaherty has worked with. Um, where did he come from? He worked with Carter, right? Uh, so he has a more yeah. of an allegiance to the front office. He has more of a connection to the front office than the manager. That's great. And what could possibly go wrong there? Well, so I mean, that's certainly how a lot of teams like it, to, yeah. for there to be no divider. I mean, no it, curtain. It, it, Craig Council obviously much more successful than this guy, but it reminded me of one of the big red flags when the – well, there were a lot of red flags when the Bears hired Man Nagy. One of them was the reason he was available was his offense managed to um, contribute to the Chiefs blowing one of the biggest leads in playoff history when Marcus Mariota and the Titans came back in Arrowhead. And all of a sudden, he's available for interviews, and he got the job. But he came to the Bears and didn't bring a single assistant with him from Kansas City. Yeah. Like, that's didn't a bring bad sign. Right. Yeah. And there's Craig, who, because he changed – when he did, the Cubs are like, oh, we're keeping the rest of the staff. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like, all right. I mean, he must really, you know, at $8 million, it's it's papering over a lot of stuff for Craig. You going to improve the roster? Uh, probably not. Can I bring in my own coaches? Uh, do you have to? Remember, it's $8 million. All right, fine, whatever. Because he's not even moving. He's like going to get, right. like, he's just going to, like, rent a place in town. He's going to, as often as he can, he's going to go back to Wisconsin. I'm like, oh, this this you should get a have, pneumatic tube. And this doesn't have disaster written all over it, does it? No. All right. Well, um, spring training has barely started, and look at all the stuff we already had to talk about. <laughs> so uh, we'll check in again, maybe when they've played a fake game or two. Yeah, hopefully uh, Cody will have signed by then. Every maybe. morning I wake up and check Twitter. I'm not going to call it X, ever. I don't care. Elon... Mama named it Twitter. I'm going to call it Twitter. Yes. And I keep waiting. And no. Sometimes they get a lot of replies to me, and I'm like, oh, it's people telling me that happened. Instead, they're just making fun of something I wrote. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, and I'm glad. Uh, I feel bad for uh, everybody having to go through what they went through at a victory parade. You should never have to do that. Yeah. I'm glad you and everybody was safe. We're fine. All right. Well, thanks. Everything's fine. Many of us have herpes. This is rough, but it's also finished. This fitting has got to be done with one of the best games of all time. Just unbelievable. Got to congratulate the, uh, the Dolan family.